Last week, we began a two-part series entitled Decisions. How do you know God's will for your life? I began by telling a story when Nicole and I were much younger. We were on the leadership team with my father, Kevin Connor, who was then the senior minister of Waverley Christian Fellowship. And we were youth pastors and we're kind of growing and developing as young leaders in the church. And we had a guest speaker come through who suggested it might be good for us to go away and work at another church for a few years, get out of my dad's shadow and kind of become our own people. It kind of threw us because we were pretty happy, but we talked to dad and he was okay. And anyway, we forgot about it. Then we had a second guest speaker say the same thing. And so we started seriously talking to two different churches outside of Victoria and considering moving away, but we, we just really weren't sure what was the right thing. Should we go? Shouldn't we go? If we go, should we go here or should we go there? Uh, we were grappling with how do you know God's will for your life? And it was very clear that everyone else in the room has had times when you wondered, which direction should I go? Even the great Apostle Paul had moments where he wasn't sure what was the right direction. And so we began last week in this series looking at a number of wrong approaches to the whole idea of God's will, uh, some myths that we took some time to bust. And so if you weren't here, let me give you a quick summary of some of the approaches we want to avoid when it comes to knowing God's will. The first one is something called a fatalistic approach. This is a common approach. Some people have this idea of whatever will be, will be. I mean, if it happened, it must have been God's will. Uh, this is a fatalistic approach, and it's unfair to God because it kind of blames him for everything. It's also not good for us because it alleviates us with a sense of responsibility. The truth is we have power to make decisions and to influence what's going to happen in our life this year. So don't buy into a fatalistic approach to, to the will of God. A second myth that we busted was a negative approach that maybe if I really follow God, if I really surrender to him, which is the theme for next weekend, uh, things are going to be really bad. In other words, God's going to make me marry someone I don't even like or send me to some mosquito-infested jungle somewhere. We can almost have this negative approach to God's will. The truth is God's will is good and perfect and pleasing. It's the best thing for you. We then took some time to look at another common approach, a frustrating approach that believes that God has some detailed plan for our life. And every day we've got to kind of find out the next step so that we're not out of the center of God's will. And so we took some time to bust that up to show that God's will is wide and spacious. In fact, Adam and Eve, he said, see this tree? Don't eat from that tree. But all of the other trees you are free to eat from. There's a lot of freedom in God's will. And so don't buy into this idea that there's only kind of one option that you've got to get right. And if you don't get it right, then you're suddenly out of God's will. That leads to a lot of frustration. That's not God's intention for your life. And then we looked at a fearful approach, this uh, approach of kind of being afraid of missing or making a wrong turn that paralyzes us. And finally, a mystical approach that somehow believes that there's a special feeling or sensation that you're going to get for every decision in your life. Sometimes that happens, but God's will is far more practical than that. So that's a quick summary of what we covered last week, for those of you who weren't here. And today we want to move forward and go, well, how do you make good decisions? How do you know 
God's will for your life. And so we want to talk about something I'm going to call God's guidance system, uh, God's GPS, if you will, God's navigation system. Uh, God wants us to know his will. He wants us to make good decisions. He wants to guide us and direct us. And he does that through a number of ways. And so we're going to look at a number of aspects to God's guidance system for us today. Number one, the first way that God guides us is through his word, through the Bible. Uh, the Bible, the scriptures, the Old and New Testament were written to be a light. Everyone say light. A light unto our feet. That's from Psalms 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp or a light to my feet. In other words, as I'm looking for the next step, I'm looking for some guidance and directions God's Word, the Bible, is one of the ways that He guides us. It would be great if He kind of showed us the entire journey, but often there's enough light for the next step. And so if we want to be successful in life, then we need to read God's Word, we need to think about God's Word, and we need to obey God's Word. Uh, Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 8, God said, If you will keep the book of the law, if you'll meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything in it, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Anyone want to be prosperous and successful? About half of us, a few more. Joshua, you want to be prosperous? You want to be successful? Well, make sure you daily think about, meditate on, and obey God's Word. This is one of the primary ways that God directs us or guides us as His people. In the New Testament, Paul said this, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, All Scripture is God-breathed. And at this point, the New Testament hadn't been written. Paul is writing probably AD 67, uh, if he was the author of this letter. So he's talking about the Old Testament. All of Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for four things. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness or right living so that the servant of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says, all of Scripture, and now we've got the New Testament too, it's profitable, it's beneficial. Why? Because it is God-breathed. The very Holy Spirit breathed and inspired the words that were written down. And there's four things. One is for teaching. It teaches us the way to live. How many know sometimes we get off track? What does it do then? It rebukes us. It corrects us. It actually lets us know we've made a wrong turn. So it teaches us the right way. When we get off track, it rebukes us. Then it corrects us. It gets us back on track. And then it trains us or teaches us to avoid making the same mistake again. Did you catch that? Shows us the right way, gets our attention when we're off track, helps us get back on track, and then helps us avoid repeating the same loop, but actually changing those habits and those choices. That's what the Bible is for. Uh, some people say the Bible is an instruction manual. Anyone who's heard that metaphor before? Bible's an instruction manual. You know, if you want to know how to use something, how many know we tend to read the instructions when something's not working? One lady put her hand up very quickly. <laughs> Don't know if that, if that was for you or someone you know. Um, it's true. The, the Bible is an instruction manual, but I think that's probably a little simplistic. I, I like to say the Bible is a library. 
Anyone like libraries? I love libraries. The Bible is a library. There's 66 books written by many different authors over many different centuries in different languages, Hebrew and Chaldean and Greek. It's like a library, and it contains many different genres of music. There's poetry. There's instructions and commandments. There's prophecy. There's apocalyptic, visionary stuff happening there. If you read the book of Revelation, you know what I'm talking about. And then there's something called narrative, which is the bulk of the library. Stories. Stories of people's lives and the decisions they made and the consequences of those decisions. And so the Bible's not just an instruction manual. It's a library of God at work in the lives of people just like you and I. And so we can benefit by reading this library and reading the stories and looking at people's lives and understanding how God works. And then we can apply those principles to our life. And so just reading the Word of God will guide you. Uh, I think late last year I shared about when I was a teenager, our youth pastor encouraged us to read the book of Proverbs uh, according to the day of the month. So if it's the fifth Uh, we'd read Proverbs 5. And so as a teenager, uh, I read the book of Proverbs pretty much like that for many, many years. I gained a lot of wisdom from reading the book of Proverbs. In fact, I told a funny story about me getting involved with a friend who was starting to do a bit of stealing, and I was kind of assisting him, and I was reading Proverbs 29 that day, and it says in verse 24, whoever is a partner to a thief is a fool. God had my attention. How did I have God speak to me like that? Because I was reading the Word of God. I told a a funny uh, recent story of a neighbor uh, in a place we used to live who had a sheep that was really overly grown with wool and hadn't been shorn for a while. And it was a hot day like yesterday and the sheep had fallen over and couldn't get back up. And it happened many times and I told them and it happened again. It was a Saturday and Nicole says, the sheep's fallen over. You need to go tell them. I says, I'm not getting up. I've told them many times. So I was in my chair reading my Bible that morning and I got to Matthew 12, 11, and Jesus is talking about the Sabbath and he says, if any of you has a sheep that falls down on the Sabbath, will you not reach out and lift it up? <laughs> True story. I jumped out of my seat. I said, I'm going, I'm going. Now, it'd be good if that happened every day, but it is, it's amazing when you just tune in to God's word, how God can speak to you and guide you. You know, the Word of God is like a voice that's speaking all the time. Just like there's radio waves going through this room right now. We can't hear them because we're not tuned into them. But you get a radio receiver, suddenly you can tune in and hear those messages. The Word of God, the sacred text, is speaking all the time. The question is, am I tuning in and positioning myself for God to speak to me through God's Word? And so this is a major way God guides us. Uh, Hosea says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge, because they're not listening to my word. And so just making time to read the word of God, to learn the principles and the stories can help you so much in the decisions you make. Let me add to this, not only reading the word of God for yourself, but listening to the Bible preached. One of the reasons we gather together on the weekend in our connect groups, is so that we can hear God together. Uh, And I can tell you many stories where I've been guided, not by my own reading of the Word of God, but by hearing a message that's anointed and speaking to me. I still remember as a 
teenager, age 18, we're living in America, and I had a girlfriend named Mary. And we'd been friends from about age 13, and really great relationship. Uh, our family decided to come back to Australia, but it wasn't public yet. And so I knew this, but I hadn't quite told Mary yet. I didn't want to hurt her feelings. It was very kind of clear that we didn't have a future together, although we'd had a great friendship. I was kind of putting it off, putting it off. Uh, one Sunday, came to church, guest speaker, and he read the story of Mary and Martha. You remember Mary and Martha? And Mary was busy, and Martha was sitting at Jesus' feet. So he read the scripture, and then he said this, Today's sermon is entitled, Let Mary Alone. I don't know what else he said that day, but uh, God had my attention and I needed to have a conversation, a difficult conversation with Mary and tell her what was happening. It's amazing how God can speak to us. (laughs) That wasn't for anyone here, not intending that to be a message for today, unless it's relevant to you. Um, (laughs) And so the Bible itself is alive, speaking to us, but also hearing the word preached. Uh, Paul said to the the people in Thessalonica, you didn't just hear the preaching as words of men, but as words of God, God speaking to you. And so that's a, a part of his guidance for us. So that's the first light, the first part of God's navigation system, the word, the Bible. The second way God guides us, number two, is through wisdom through wisdom. Wisdom is a huge part of God's guidance system for us. In fact, God created wisdom before he created the world, according to Proverbs 8. Think about that. God created wisdom before he created the world. He created the world through wisdom. And in the book of Proverbs, we're urged to get wisdom. Proverbs 4 verse 7, wisdom is the supreme, the principal thing. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, gets understanding. And so wisdom is something that is vital if we're going to make good decisions. The book of Proverbs, there's three words used repeatedly, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is getting facts, getting information. We all need knowledge. Understanding is interpreting those facts. Well, what do they all mean? Wisdom is how do I apply these facts to my life? Uh, Knowledge is important. And we live in a world with almost an information overload. Just ask Dr. Google if you don't know. Knowledge is everywhere, but, but understanding, what, what, what does it all mean? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of questions around meaning today, but wisdom is how do I apply this information to my life? And Proverbs says, get wisdom with all that you can. Get wisdom. God wants to use our brain. He wants Uh, us to think. God won't make all the decisions for you. He wants us to use common sense, which isn't as common as it used to be. Just thinking, just getting wisdom. Uh, There's a story in the book of Acts where Paul leaves Damascus. And if you actually read the story, there's some death threats. People are getting a plot together to kill Paul. And uh, some people hear of it and say, Paul, I think you should leave the city. And they let him out over the wall of the city and he leaves. Now, we have no indication that he read a verse in the Old Testament that says, leave Damascus. It wasn't a Bible guidance. There was no prophecy. Uh, It was just some advice. You know what? People are trying to kill you. I think I'd like to live a little longer. You know what? I think I'll leave Damascus. It's just thinking through the situation, the context, and making some decisions. Uh, And we can ask for wisdom. James 1 verse 5, if any of you need wisdom, ask God who gives it to us, gives us liberally. 
Yeah, it's a tongue twister. So we ask God for wisdom. We get wisdom from the Bible. We get wisdom from research and learning and knowledge. And we can also get wisdom from other people, from advisors, from counselors. Uh, Book of Proverbs again, uh, Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. You want to be successful in life? Uh, have some good advisors around about you. Very simple. Proverbs 19.20. Get all the advice and instruction you can, and you'll be wise the rest of your life. Isn't that a great scripture? You want to be wise? You want to be smart? You want to make good decisions? Hey, have some good advisors and counselors in your world. That's why I love the theme of together this year. Don't do life alone. Do life together with other people who can help you become wise. Proverbs 20:18. Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't head off to war without wise advice. And so wisdom is vital. And wisdom comes in the multitude of advisors and counselors. A, a little illustration I heard years ago. If we take this podium here and we put a, a circle of people around this podium, and if we all drew a picture of the podium, uh, three observations. No one would draw the picture the same. Everyone's picture would look a little bit different. Luke on the front, he would draw this side, and I would draw this side, and Kiara, Jacob over here would draw that side. Everyone's picture would look totally different. Uh, secondly, no one draws the podium accurately. There's parts of the podium each person cannot see. Luke can't see what's up here. I can't see what's under there. Just a fact. Number three, the only way to see the podium accurately is to listen to everyone's perspective. Look at everyone's picture. Are you with me? Very simple. This is not rocket science. Three observations. We all see it differently. No one sees it accurately. We only see it accurately through everyone's composite perspective. Take the podium out of the middle and put anything in the middle. A conflict, a decision a plan, a project, put anything in the middle, that reality exists. None of us see it the same. We all see it differently. None of us see it accurately. The only way to see it accurately is to listen to everyone's perspective. That's reality. But anytime you get arrogant and think you see it all and your job is to tell everybody how they're wrong and get them to see it your way, how many can see you're not really wise when you do that? So, wisdom. Wisdom we want to get for our decisions in life. Don't just head off and do something without thinking. Uh, Jesus picks this up. Uh, Luke 14, I'll just quote this to you, 28 to 29. Don't begin building until you count the cost. Everyone say budget. That's, that's the Greek word there. <laughs> Who would begin constructing a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Who would do that? Only people on grand designs, right? <laughs> Who would kick off doing a building without estimating the cost? Otherwise, you'll get halfway done, you'll run out of money, and everyone will laugh and say, there's someone who started a building, couldn't afford to finish it. This is Jesus. 
He goes on and says, which king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 can defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he'll send a message off and ask for peace while the enemy is still far away. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is encouraging wisdom in decision-making. About to build a building, about to go to war. Hey, sit down, think about it, estimate, get counsel, get advice. This is one of the most important things in deciding well, making decisions that lead to life, is doing so with wisdom. Every decision needs some planning, some thinking through. Let me share with you a very simple decision-making process that I have found very helpful. Number one. State your decision as a question. What decision do you need to make? The question could be, I have two job offers, which job should I take? Maybe that's your question. Um, or it's, you know, I'm looking to rent a house, there's three possible ones, which one should I apply for? Uh, I've finished year 12, I want to apply for a course, which career path should I take? Uh, which connect group should I join? At Bayside, there's many options. Which area of ministry should I volunteer and begin to serve? I don't know what your decision is. State the decision as a question. Very simple. Number two is to consider all of the alternatives. Look at all the alternatives, all of the options. Put them all out in front of you. Every option, every alternative. Number three... Think through the potential consequences of each alternative. What are the pros? What are the benefits of going this way? What could be the cons or the negatives? Or what factors do we need to consider? Just look at every possible alternative and then consider the possible consequences. This is biblical. Proverbs 22 verse 3. A prudent person, a smart or a wise person, foresees danger and takes precaution while the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequence. Proverbs 22 verse 3 is simply saying you've got to think ahead. You've got to think of the ramifications of every decision, every turn, every possibility. Think ahead, foresee the benefits as well as the dangers and the consequences. And so that's the third part of this process. And then number four, eventually make a decision. Don't get stuck at number three your whole life. Make a decision and then commit to it and do everything to make it work. Let me share something I've discovered in life. A lot of people get frozen at number three thinking about, I want to make the right decision. What's the right decision? You know, sometimes we've got to get over making the right decision and simply make the decision right. Some of you will get that tomorrow. It's not always about making the right decision. Often there's many options, all of which could be good. Often it's once you've made a decision, the decision becoming right is whether you commit to implementing it and making it the best decision you could have made. Make the decision right. Make it work. It's not just about, well, I made the right decision, so everything's fine now. Uh, I married the right person 10 years ago, so I don't even worry about my marriage. Well... I hope I married the right decision, married the right person, but you've got to keep making that decision right. You've got to keep being the kind of person, working, building, investing in that relationship. So life's a journey, not just a snapshot. It's a moving picture, not just a freeze 
moment. And so very simple decision-making process. And so wisdom is a big part of how God guides us. Wisdom, thinking things through. This is part of the journey of faith. All right, let's look at a couple more aspects of how God guides us. Number three is through circumstances. Circumstances. It's interesting, the story we read last week of the Apostle Paul. Did you notice Paul was moving and he had two closed doors? Tried to go this way, it was a closed door. Tried to go this way, it was a closed door. Um, Circumstances are part of the way God guides us. Then he had a dream and then he had an open door. And so it's the same in our life. There will be circumstances beyond our control that provide the context for every decision. And God will often use decisions to direct us. How many know if your house is on fire, God's will is probably for you to leave the house? True? You don't need to pray. You don't need to call up and ask for a prophecy. You don't need to search the Bible. Just get out of the house. Again, simple illustration, but the circumstances letting you know, get moving. If you lost your job recently or made redundant or there's a restructure, it's probably God's will that you move towards another job. Those circumstances are beyond your control, but they're part of the way God guides us and moves us on. It's not the only way God guides us. And it's only one way of guidance. We don't want to be led by it alone, but it is a way that God directs us. And so we need to be aware of what's happening in our world. This can include the, the authorities in our life. Uh, if you're a teenager or a young person, your, your parents are part of the way God can guide you. It can include teachers or employers or church leaders, God's delegated representatives. Sometimes God directs us and guides us through other people. And uh, that's not always easy, but sometimes that can be part of God's guidance in our life. I mentioned before when I was nine, our family moved to America. Uh, Older sister who married and stayed on there. So I did most of my high school and uh, a couple of years of college over there. And around the age of 18, I've been there 10 years, I'm an all-American kid now, my name's Mark Connor. because when I got there, I told the guy my name was Mark, and he called me Mike for 10 days, and then he goes, oh, Mark, so I learned to say Mark, because um, I didn't want a long conversation. Uh, anyway, so I'm an all-American kid, I'm loving America, as I mentioned, had a girlfriend, I'm involved in the church and working on my career, and my parents decided they wanted to come back to Australia. Uh, My sister had married, so she was staying. Uh, I didn't want to come, and so we had some intense fellowship in our home for for quite a while around, I wanted to stay, they wanted me to come, Um, I wanted to stay, and it went back and forth. I'm 18 now. Um, Looking back, my parents uh, were pretty smart. Um, As you get older, you see that your parents kind of get smarter. And so they said to me, how about you come for one year? Just come for one year. Give it a try, and if it doesn't work out, then you can go back to America. Smart deal. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, I said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. So at age 18, ended up coming back to Australia. And, uh, you know, that, that decision, although it wasn't something I wanted, ended up being a hugely shaping change for my life. 
it, it taught me about trusting God because I'd kind of been in youth group and, you know, saying all those prayers, surrendering to God. And it was almost like through this step, God was saying, well, are you going to surrender? Are you going to trust me or not? Because I had everything in front of me and I had to let it all go, lay it all down and step back into this country I used to live in with nothing ahead of me. It's a bit like letting go of one trapeze and you haven't yet got the other one. You know what I'm talking about? That's what you call a liminal space. <laughs> and if you've never had to completely let go with nothing yet to go to, you don't fully know what it is to trust God. But I tell you what, as an 18-year-old, I learned, because a year later, it was amazing. Everything I thought I was giving up, God had began to replace in my life. And after a year, I started to realize, you know, I love America, and I enjoyed my time there. It was very influential. But I'm an Aussie, and I love Australia. And I'm glad that through circumstances of my parents' guidance that I actually ended up coming back here, meeting new people, meeting my wife, Nicole, getting involved. And all that happened just through some circumstances outside of my world. And so, yeah, uh, that, that, that's another part of the environment that we're in. Uh, it doesn't mean that every leader uh, in our life is making the right decision or doing the right thing or representing God, but sometimes... We actually have to say, like a tool working on uh, shaping something of beauty, sometimes God works through other people to shape us and to direct us. And so circumstances can be part of his guidance in our life. Don't have a lot of time to talk about this. Anyone heard of Gideon and his fleece? If you've been around church, Judges 6, funny story. You know, God's told Gideon what to do, but Gideon wants confirmation. So he gets this kind of woolly fleece out. He says, God, if you really want me to go in the morning, you know, I forget which way it was, but let the fleece be wet and nothing around it uh, be wet. Let it be dry. Judges 6, unusual story. Well, God uh, does that. And he says, oh, God, one more time. And then he does the opposite. And so it's actually entered the English vernacular about, oh, I'm going to put a fleece out. You ever, ever heard that? A bit of a fleece. So if this happens, then I'll know it's God. And I just I'd encourage some caution around this. Okay, God, you know, if this happens, then I know it's you. Circumstances can be part of it, but it's a little, it's a little bit of an abstraction to think that Gideon. Again, remember when we read the Bible; it's telling us what happened. It doesn't always tell us what to do. When you read the story of Gideon, it's not telling you do this in your life. In fact, Gideon lacked faith. And he lacked courage. In fact, God had already told him what he wanted him to do. It was his fear and lack of faith that actually led him to do that. And God was patient with him. So, yes, circumstances can guide us. But just avoid the little kind of, if this happens, then I know it's God's will. In fact, let me say this. Sometimes we think, if everything's going well, I must be in God's will. How many know Jonah was going pretty well for a while in the ship heading in the opposite direction? And then the opposite's true. Sometimes we think, oh, things aren't going very well. I must not be in God's will. How many know that's not always true? In fact, if you're facing some opposition and some challenge, it actually could be an indication that you're doing the right thing. And so circumstances are important, but we don't want to only be guided by them alone. A couple more. Another guidance aspect is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. God has sent the Holy Spirit 
to guide and lead us. Romans 8 verse 14, all who are led or guided or directed by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so as we follow God, we pray, uh, we commit our lives to God, we're reading God's Word, we're endeavoring to gain wisdom, we're observing the circumstances in our life, but we also want to ask God, God for His guidance and for the Holy Spirit to direct us and to give us his thoughts and his feelings. He's our friend and our helper. And there's something called the peace of God. Uh, and the peace of God, that inner sense of calm, and this just seems right, is another really important part of God's guidance system. Philippians 4, 6-7, don't worry about anything, including the decisions you're about to make. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard or guide your heart and mind as you live in Jesus Christ. And so this is another really important part of how God guides us. Just that inner sense of the Holy Spirit affirming or not affirming. Uh, he can use our conscience, which is really, really important. Uh, part of us, just that sense of this feels right or this feels wrong, that peace, it, it, it's a subjective element, but it's another key part of the way God guides us. And then number five, the fifth way God guides us is through the supernatural or things just a little bit out of the ordinary. Sometimes God uses special revelation. It could be a dream or a vision. It, uh, some people have had angelic visitations or heard an audible voice or a prophetic word that someone has shared. Uh, again, prophecy is not something we should take lightly, but it needs to be tested, and we need to kind of let go of what doesn't kind of match up, line up, and hold on to that which is good. And so these are all uh, aspects of the supernatural. Um, with prophetic words particularly, uh, it's a, a kind of a stirring up and God sharing something that they feel God wants to encourage you with. And so we need to, like I said, uh, handle them carefully. And there's always something called the time principle. Often between a word from God and the fulfillment of that, that word, there's a gap here where there's a test. Uh, Joseph had some dreams when he was young, dreams of uh, uh, some incredible influence. And as you know, he ended up in a prison and many long years where those dreams kind of seemed like a bit of a pizza dream, if you know what I mean. Uh, what was I thinking? Uh, Psalms 105, 17 to 19 said, Joseph was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters. They placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. It's a, it's a powerful scripture. So he had these dreams. He had these supernatural things coming into his life. But there was a time for them to be fulfilled. And in between the word and the fulfillment, there was this test. There was this delay where he learned patience and to trust God. And that word actually shaped him. And it's the same in, in our lives also. And so these are some aspects of how God guides us. His word. The Bible, wisdom, circumstances, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, and then occasionally some supernatural, out-of-the-ordinary guidance. God never guides us by one of these lights alone, always by more than one. 
In fact, uh, it's great when these lights all line up. How many know if you're having a prompting to do something that directly disobeys God's word, (laughs) something's, something's not right there. These things need to line up. In fact, there's a principle in the Bible of God always speaking and working with two or three witnesses. There could never be a court case without two or three witnesses in the mouth of two or three. Uh, what's God saying? There's, there's actually strength when there's more than one of these guidance things lining up. And I would suggest to you that the bigger the decision you may be facing, the larger the risk, the greater the consequences, then the more important all of these aspects of guidance are in your life. And sometimes many mistakes are made because we just go with one thing. Well, God gave me a prophecy, and this person said I was supposed to move to Africa. Okay. Talk to anyone about it? Do you like Africa? Are you with me? You just take one thing and say, well, I'm now jumping without thinking through and seeing a multitude of witnesses, we can end up making some. Errors of judgment, overemphasizing one of these can actually lead to some, some poor decisions. We need to have agreement. Uh, let me just give you a couple of stories. Uh, in Acts 21, verses 15 to 10 to 15, there's an interesting story of Paul. He's on his way to Rome. There's a prophet named Agabus. Now, again, I believe in the prophetic word. I've had many prophetic words be a part of God's guidance in my life. Agabus was a true prophet. Paul's on his way to Rome, and Agabus comes up to Paul, and he actually grabs his belt, and he wraps the belt around himself, and he says, this is what's going to happen to the man who owns this belt. Basically, you're going to be bound up and tied up. What would you have done? Quickly got a ticket back to Jerusalem or go home to Tarsus? You know, Paul still went to Rome. Even though the prophets were saying, if you go to Rome, this is what's going to happen. It was a true prophecy because that's actually what happened. But Paul didn't guide his whole life by one prophetic word. God had already very clearly told him that he was going to Rome. He was going to be a witness for Jesus in Rome. So he didn't allow this word, which was true, to be the only factor in where he was directing his life. You following me? True word, but he wasn't just guiding his life by one prophetic word. He had an overall guidance system that he was following. I mentioned that story of a couple of ministers encouraging Nicole and I to leave. Get away from my dad's shadow. We never left. And you know the reason we never left? We never felt a peace in our own hearts about that. Nicole and I never felt a peace. My dad uh, was an influential leader, but he gave us room to grow. And when it came down to the bottom line, we did all those conversations. The bottom line was we didn't have an inner peace that this is what we need to do. And we decided not to go. And we had plenty of room to grow. Quite ironically, both of those ministries have passed away now, but before they passed away, there was huge scandals in both of their churches. And you kind of go, what if we would have gone? What kind of a mess would we have been a part of? I'm not saying when you make the right decision, you you avoid uh, challenges, but it's just interesting to realize we were about to make a major decision, which was really the projection of other people's thoughts for us. How many know everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life? But when it came down to it, we didn't have a sense of peace. So it's really important that you line all of these up. And the bigger the decision, the more you want those confirmations. Uh, A final thought. 
we're all wired a little bit differently. Some of us are wired more to the wisdom side, and you really like that little decision-making thing there, one, two, three, four. Some of us are really logical, we're rational, and the wisdom thing really works for us. And the challenge, if you're wired that way, is to make sure that you've got a good dose of faith in your world. Because sometimes God may ask you to do something that doesn't line up with your logical mind. It may even seem a little risky. And so you need to balance your faith with wisdom. There are other people in the room who are a little bit more subjective, feeling-based, and the whole faith, step out of the boat stuff is the way you're wired. Come on, you know who you are. And the danger here is we kind of get out in the subjective. You know, it's Fred telling Ethel, God told me you're going to marry me. (laughs) Yeah, he hasn't told me. Um, You know, and so people that are a bit more in the faith, mystical, subjective, had a dream. God gave me a prophecy, went to this conference. Again, I'm not in any way negating this. That's all great. But your challenge is to have some wisdom. And have you had some counsel? Have you talked this through? Have you thought this through? We, we both, we all lean one way, and the balance is within the two, to have faith and wisdom, wisdom and faith. Both of them work together. They're actually not enemies. Faith and wisdom are both part of our journey with God, and we need both of them. And so as we wrap this up today, now I think... Our journey in life really is just a series of decisions. Every day we're making decisions. And as I said last week, where you are today is in many ways a result of the decisions you made yesterday. And where you'll be tomorrow or the end of this year will be a result of the decisions you make today. And so decisions are so very, very important. And we are not a victim of our conditions We actually have power to influence the decisions we make. In the Old Testament, God puts all of these instructions and he goes, choose life. (laughs) Make some smart decisions. Make some good decisions. Don't be paralyzed. Don't be fearful. Don't be frustrated. And so as I look across the congregation today, what, what amazing potential in every one of your hearts and lives and what incredible dreams God has for you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Not the wishes, the plans. uh, To give you a future and a hope. And so incredible potential for this year yet to be written. And I want to just encourage you to be bold and to be courageous. Be full of faith. Be full of wisdom. And as we go forward together uh, as a church community, uh, we'll see some great things happen through our lives this year as we make good decisions and live out God's will in our life. Everyone said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.